Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. I'm Priscilla McKinney with you as always here from Little Bird Marketing. And I got to tell you, whatever you think about the pandemic, thumbs up, thumbs down, (laughs) there were a couple of silver linings. And I'm going to share with you one of my silver linings today through one of my good friends, Patrick Oshlowski, who's a great fan of this show and a great colleague and a very respected friend of mine. He introduced me to Kingsley and you are going to get a treat today. So Kingsley Akins, welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. Hey, my pleasure. Lovely to be with you. Well, you and I have a deep love of all things networking. I think after, you know, we've gotten to know each other a little bit, I feel like you're my doppelganger. So (laughs) this is, this is very cool. Uh, Kingsley is the CEO at the Networking Institute, and they really were founded in response to what was seen as a need for real training in networking. And so they started inviting companies to give talks and presentations and really help people get to that next level of leadership. And in doing that, it became really obvious to Kingsley that people felt uncomfortable about networking. They didn't like it. They were afraid of it. They were actually not good at it. And there was really, at the end of the day, a negative view about networking. And so from there, they built this amazing firm and really are helping people understand how this is the underpinning of a successful career. So Kingsley, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on right now at the Networking Institute, and then we can talk a little bit about what we want to delve into today, a little bit more about uh, post-COVID world in networking well look thanks Priscilla that was a that was a a little bit of an over-the-top introduction uh, but I've got to say it was exactly the same as the one I emailed you last week so thank you for thank you for getting that (laughs) right and and you know just to comment on on what you started off with you know you're absolutely right I mean networking's got a pretty lousy image when you think about it it conjures up uh, images of kind of insincere, inauthentic people late at night flicking out business cards at a ferocious rate in a bar. You know, you know, you wake up in the morning, and you find Priscilla's business card and they turn up your trousers. I mean, what happened? Where did that come from? And that's just kind of, I think most people really hate it. In fact, here's an interesting little comment. There's a difference between the noun and network and the verb networking. In other words, network sounds quite positive. If you say to somebody, you know, I've got a strong and diverse network, that sounds pretty good. But once you start talking about the verb, networking, now that sounds a little insincere and sleazy and and not very nice. There's another problem. It's not taught at school or college. You know, you're taught all sorts of great things at school and college. And your progress tends to be determined by a metric, a score, a grade. You know, that's the way you make progress in school or college. But, you know, when, when you get into the real world, there's a whole series of things that really count but can't be counted. So I'm thinking about things like, you know, your character and personality, determination, resilience and grit and humor and all that stuff, you know, and they're all fall into that kind of category of soft skills. And what we're seeing now right now is that we're, we're churning out people with fantastic hard skills, you know, technical, deductive, analytical and actually quite weak in the soft skill area. And if you listen to what the Deloitte's are saying and what the World Economic Forum is saying and, and what Google are saying, they're saying that actually soft skills are going to be more important in the future than hard skills. Hard skills will get you on the ladder. Soft skills will get you up the ladder. So I think there's quite an interesting challenge facing us to uh, to try and tackle that issue. I'm not sure. Have you detected that yourself in your work, Priscilla? 
A hundred percent. But I think that, you know, while it's become really common vernacular and a lot of people would agree with what you just said, they don't know what to do with that agreement. And, you know, there is a difference between these soft skills and hard skills. And then there's also a couple of things that play into it, which we don't need to delve into, but like, there's also character, you know, and there's things that we've been talking about in our society about having more empathy for people and these kinds of things that are kind of more character bound. And then there's also, there's a little piece of it that is mindset, you know, that like, for example, things about, you know, how, you have the right to, you know, to reach out to people and a mindset of how you don't interrupt people or nag people, but how you get heard above those noises. So I think people would agree with you when they have a logical conversation, but I think your experience really has been along the lines where great, we're all in agreement, but they're still not going to do it. (laughs) I think that's, you know, I think that's fair comment. I mean, I think, you know, People will generally agree with when you agree with you when you say, "Look, you, you can't go it alone in life. I mean, you can't be successful without other people. You know, opportunities don't float around on clouds. You know, they're attached to people. So if you're looking for an opportunity, you're kind of really looking for a person. And and we all know, you know, we all know the good things networking can do. It can help you in your business. It can help you get sales. It can help you find staff, investors, all that great stuff. But the reason I'm a particular interested in networking. It's because all the research shows that people who have strong and diverse networks live longer, are stronger mentally and physically, earn more money and are happier. And I kind of like all of those. Mm. And also, I think networking is the great antidote to the real, one of the real crises of our time. And we've got all these other crises, whether it's pandemics or you know, climate change. But one of the real crises of our time, I believe, is loneliness and isolation. Mm. I think networking is the great antidote to that. It's the way to escape your silo. It's the way to find out what's happening around you in, in your world. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that it, it, it's really important that you think in terms of having a diversity in your network. I mean, one, mm-hmm. of, the, one of the issues is an issue, there's a concept called homophily. And homophily is the tendency we all have to spend time with people just like us. Okay, so you know, we're born into families of people like us. We go to school and college. We play sport, we join companies, we work with people like us, we marry people like us, we produce more people like us. But actually, that's not what the world out there is. I mean, I live in Dublin in Ireland, where 30% of the working population of Dublin are not even born in Ireland. We're a very diverse society. And again, all the research shows that if you don't, in your company and in your own personal life, reflect the diversity of the economy you work in, the society you live in, you underperform. So I think that's an interesting challenge for us is to you know, make sure that we have that diversity to what I call seek out unlike-minded people. You know, just don't spend time all the time with people who are just like you know, echo chambers of all your views and opinions and their friends are echo chambers of all your views and opinions. And that's a dangerous way to live your life because that's mm-hmm. not what the world is. Well, we would agree that that's not a good way to live personally. That's not a very self-reflective or um, a way that you get away from, I love what you said, that siloing of your life. You know, it is a very limited and limiting experience if that's your MO, Um, but becoming aware of that and then knowing what to do in order to reach out and start diversifying your network is something different. So why don't you give us a little bit of a view about where you as a primer kind of start people with networking. And then, like I said, we're going to delve into 
to just spoiler alert, a couple of really great um, ideas about what does this mean for us post COVID? You know, we've, we've all been kind of in our face with digital transformation, which is kind of funny and ironic because this has been around for so long. And in fact, uh, I remember sharing my story with you that I was standing on a stage in Amsterdam uh, the week that really COVID exploded in the in Western world. And I had just finished saying to the crowd that if you have not pulled digital transformation and if your teams are not effectively networking and building, you know, a bigger, uh, casting a wider net online digitally and bringing colleagues into conversations, bring clients into conversations and really starting things online, then it's not the future of work. It's not even the like the current, it's not the present of work, it's the past of work. And other people are beating you to the punch, they're eating your lunch, and they're actually probably going to explain to you that you are closed for business shortly if you don't wake up to this. I had literally just finished saying that, got off the stage, and someone said the word COVID to me for the first time. And so there is another reality. But even, let's get to that in just a second. But where would you start in the primer of, okay, I agree with you, and I would, I'm willing to reflect on my life that I have quite a homogenous echo chamber going on in the network and the people that I know and the, the concepts and the thoughts that I'm hearing, then what's my first step? Yeah, well, I think the first step is to really define for yourself, what is it? What is networking? What do you believe networking is? So most people will agree with the following definition. Networking is building long-term hearts and minds, sustainable relationships. That's kind of fine. But not everybody will buy into the second part of the definition that I believe in, that networking is all about giving, not getting. Mm. Networking is how can you put your network at the disposal of other people? It's built on a very simple premise about life in that the more you give in life, the more you get. The more you give to individuals, the more comes back to you from the network. But there's some challenges in all of that. And one of the challenges is, you know, you won't build a strong and diverse network unless you get comfortable doing something we all struggle with, me included, which is talking to strangers. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so it's very easy to live your life not talking to, to strangers. In fact, when you think about it, from a very early age, what do we teach our kids? We say, don't talk to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> and yet everybody we love uh, in life, you know, uh, at one stage, outside of your mom and pop and your brothers and sisters, at one stage, they were a stranger. Something happened that you had a connection with them. You reach out to them. And over time, they became your great buddy or your lovers or your partners or whatever it is. So, so I think that's an interesting kind of you know, thing to think about. I think also companies now want to hire and wire. Companies want to hire people and wire into their network. So now, you know, when you're being interviewed for a job, people want to know about your qualifications, of course. They want to know about your experience, of course. They want to know something else. They want to know who you know. Because mm-hmm. you see, we live now in this world where it's not what you know. It's not even who you know. It's who knows you. So now mm-hmm. you have to think about becoming known. You have to think in terms of you as a, as a personal brand, if you like, you as a CEO of a company called Me Inc. Because the old days of joining a company, like my dad left school at 14, Priscilla, joined a company, left that company age 77. Just a quick 63 years in one company. <laughs> Just that. I mean, if if people if people say stay sixty three days, I'm thinking success. This is going to work out. <laughs> so it's, yeah, we're going now through the Great Resignation, and you know, you know, all sorts of dynamics happening there. But the old days of the escalator model of a career, where you join, you work, you get promoted, you work, you know, you end up at a clock age seventy or whatever it is. Those days have gone. The the, the I always say the career ladder now is a jungle gym. It's up, down, across, sideways. 
and you know the hierarchical world of, of kind of you know, you know this vertical world of kind of hierarchies has been replaced by a very horizontal world of teams and teams of teams and you know so in all of that relationships really matter getting on with people matter empathy matters all of those soft skills that we kind of kicked off uh, and started talking about a little bit early but also i think people have to realize that in their life they've got two types of network they've got an organic network which just happens because of your family your school and all that kind of stuff and we don't network when we're at university or school it just happens we've got this group of people but as you progress through life you've got to realize that you have to become intentional thoughtful and strategic about your network and you've got to realize that the technical skills you needed to get your job in the first instance critically important as they are become less important because everybody has them you can't compete on what everybody has and relationships become more important a lot of people miss that in their career evolution they miss that kind of very important kind of point of difference and change of shift that you then have to become you know thoughtful strategic intentional i call it about building this diversity into your network so you know nobody nobody's taught this nobody's told this it's the one it's sort of some unwritten brutal rules harsh rules of life there's a wonderful american writer I don't know if you've ever come across some facility called Harvey Coleman. And he said, you know, career progress is, he calls it the pie theory, P-I-E, the pie theory. And he said, how well you do your job, this is outrageous what he says, how well you do your job contributes 10% to your career progress. I mean, that's crazy. And he says, no, he said, it's mandatory to do a good job. Doing a super job is the minimum. It gets you on the pitch. He said, you get paid on performance you get promoted on what other people think of your potential. So now he's introducing those two pesky little words, other people. And that means there's a degree of subjectivity. That means other things come into play apart from just doing a super job. So the I and the E of the pie theory, the I is, is 30%. And he said, it's your image. What people think of you? What's your reputation? What are you known for? What are you known for within the company? What are you known for outside of the company? And then the E, which is, this is the shocker. He says the E of the pie theory is, um, is 60%. And 60% of your career progress, he says, is exposure. Who's seen you in action? Who's seen you perform? Who's seen you deliver? Who's seen you speak? You know, do you do visible work or invisible work? So he said future leadership of your organization will not be by unknown people. So now you need to become known. I always say you become known, not famous. You don't have to become a Kardashian, but you got to become known for something. You got to do visible work. You know, so these are all these unwritten kind of rules of progress in life that depend a lot on building networks. But nobody teaches this. Nobody oh. kind of writes this stuff. I cannot agree more with that. Um, and that idea of exposure, and we refer to it a lot when we're teaching social influence about visibility. The reality is that unseen is unsold. And I work very heavily in the market research industry and people think about that in terms of shopper insights. And, you know, it's very easy to think about that when it's a product, if they don't see your product, they can't buy your product, but people fail to make that connection to who they are as an individual, as a, you know, a career uh, professional, if they are not seen, they will be left unsold. And that has major consequences. So 
I would completely agree with that. And now um, you always you always say these things, in my opinion, in a very fresh way that makes me go, that's what I've been trying to say to someone for so long. And I think that's like the root of truth. When you hear something that really is true, it's like now you can't unknow it because it resonates so strongly with everything that I have experienced in networking and what it takes to really break into a particular industry and get beyond your actual job, beyond your team, beyond your company, and now into the industry at large. And I love that idea that you're saying that it's about being known. You don't have to be famous. And I think that distinction is very important because some people think that, you know, it requires a certain personality. You've got to be very outgoing. No, you don't. This isn't about being famous or charismatic or, you know, this it's about what you said, coming back to the foundation of it, being helpful and being visible. And I think that that's a foundation that maybe people have not heard a lot of talk around in terms of networking, because I think we do leave it in the guise of you've got to be a high flyer. You've got to be really engaging. You've got to be a very charismatic person and a very, you know, just never, never shy. And that's just not, that's just not true. So I I love what you're saying there. Help me understand a little bit. Let's transition to this idea of what has been your experience through the pandemic as you've worked through the Institute and talked with more people and had a lot more interest in saying, you know what, we know that we have not grasped the basics of networking and we need to train our people on these soft skills, but what complication or what beauty has come on top of it with the understanding of uh, COVID and how do you think we're going to move into a post-COVID world with networking? So I think there's a few pluses, but some really major negatives. So let's get the pluses out of the way first. I mean, we are not, what we're doing now, probably we wouldn't have been doing, you know, you know, pre-COVID. It's just, we weren't doing this kind of stuff. I've done 92 Zoom uh, webinars. In fact, my friends call me a baby Zoomer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, actually one actually called, one nasty one calls me a Zimmer Zoomer. But, you know, the extraordinary thing, and I'm here in my pajamas in Dublin talking to you. I don't have to get on a plane. I've got, I'm not spending money or time and energy or carbon footprint, and we're having this connectivity, and I'm doing this all over the world. So, you know, we are not restricted geographically, and that's been the real kind of liberating thing about this COVID situation. And also, I think, you know, there is this notion that, you know, it's more important what you do than where you are. In other words, in the old days, your geography dictated your identity. If you lived in Southern California, that's who you were, but now... You can connect with anybody, anywhere, at any time. So we say geography is history. And I think that's really a really interesting thing. And the pluses in that is that, you know, you, we now have potential, you know, customers in any country in the world. We also have potential competitors in any country of the world, many of whom can do what we do much cheaper than we do. So, you know, there's two sides to this thing. But I do think we're paying a price. And I think there's a hidden cost of COVID. And the hidden cost of COVID is that our networks have shrunk. In other words, during this period, we've hunkered down with friends and family and a few business connections, but we've not reached out to the Mm. outer concentric ring of our network where lies our weak connections. Mm. And that goes back to my homophily point. These are the people who introduce you to different types of people, places, organizations, industry segments. We're losing all of that because we've hunkered down. There's another dimension to it. Um, which is the difference between of the impact of COVID on men and women. So let me quote you Marissa King, who's a um, professor in Yale, has written a book in the US called Social Chemistry. And she says something fascinating. 
I'd love to get your opinion on it, Priscilla. She says, during COVID, men's networks have decreased by 30% and women's networks have not decreased at all. Now, let me explain how she, explain, she gives reasons to this and then let me give me your thoughts. She said, men like to do stuff with other men, right? They like to go for a beer, watch football, play golf, go fish, whatever it is. So they're quite transactional. And, and, and women, they get their emotional energy from having conversations and communicating, connecting with people. So I'm thinking of this house where I live with my wife and kids, and, and my mate will ring me up. My, mate, my male mate will ring me up and say, do you fancy a pint, as we say over here? And I'll say, sure, I'll see you down in Murphy's pub in an hour. The conversation lasts about eight seconds, right? But when my, my wife's girlfriend rings her up and says, let's go for a drink, they'll agree to go for a drink, but they'll continue chatting on that phone call for an hour before they then go and have a drink and have another chat. So, so it's all about maybe women communicating better at a, certainly at a more emotional level and men not. Now that's a hidden cost of COVID as well. And I think there's a real price we're paying for that. And I think the price is in, 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 in areas of mental um, issues and, uh, and isolation issues and loneliness issues that we mentioned earlier. But, but what do you think of that theory? Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, we are bound by some gender norms. I mean, there's no, there's no disputing that. I think that the other piece that sometimes gets layered on it in terms of careers is that we also have some, some norms that come into play with particular titles. So the question is also what titles, for example, if you're the CEO, I think we all know it's a pretty lonely world. You know, you, you may be feeling like, you know, you can't, especially during a very vulnerable time during COVID and you're trying to keep, you know, your business afloat, trying to understand how to pivot. You know, there are a lot of moving parts. I think people at these high levels also were very exposed and it was very hard for them to find, you know, outlets where they could really, you know, what I would say, shoot shit, you know, like kind of be themselves and talk about actual problems. So it, the, the piece to that, that I would agree and why it does fall on gender lines is I think that we are so far away from pay equity and we are so far away from women being represented in these higher roles in, in an equitable fashion that I think that again cuts through it because there are these social norms that then some some people buy into and some people don't, but the fact remains that they are there. And this idea that I must figure this out alone, this lone ranger mentality, kind of this idea of the strong, you know, executive who has all the answers that also plays, I think, into the way we go about networking, how we ask for help, how we ask for connection. Even if you're not asking for help outright, I think women in general are, are more comfortable asking just for connection without it having to have a transaction is, you know, what you're saying. So I, I would agree with that, but I think it's also in some ways, a little bit of a sad reflection on where we are. And I think the other piece that is incredibly sad is that we have seen through COVID and the care of children in the home, we have seen such a massive leaving um, of women from the workforce. And so that to me, like absolutely compounds that situation where then now we're going to have less women up in these executive roles, um, you know, and leading teams in a way that is less transactional. And of course, I, you know, anybody's going to have a different opinion. Of course, we're talking hyperbole. Of course, there's different people, but 
um, you know, who, who uh, I have a lot of CEO friends who are guys who really are very in tune with being vulnerable, asking for help and, you know, uh, these kinds of things. So we're not saying that this is a hard line, but you, I'm a cultural anthropologist by trade. I know that these are phenomenons that are happening in our society and we have to take a look at them and understand why, why does this persist? Why are we still having men being very, um, you know, uh, transactional and not giving them the ability to reach out just for the sake of connection. And why, you know, are women shy about truly asking for what they need to advance their career when they're networking? It, it, you know, it cuts both ways. So I would agree, but I also would say, you know, to me, it's not just necessarily a function of I'm a woman. And so therefore I do this. I think it's a, I'm a woman and society keeps telling me that this is what I should be doing. And until I buck that system, it is going to continue. Yeah. And I think there's another, another dimension to this caused by COVID, which is when we begin, we're now beginning to, you know, go back to work. And even that expression back to work is not a good one because people are saying, Hey, hey I was working. You mean back to the office? There's a difference between back to work and back to the office. So here's the subtlety that we have to watch out for that people who decide they want to work from home are people who want a job and people who want to go back into the office are people who want a career. And is there a gender nuance going on in there? So I think these are all these sort of subtle things we kind of have to keep an eye out for. And, and just as I mentioned there about vocabulary, I always think, you know, remote working, I think that's a particularly wrong term. It's, it sounds quite sad and lonely, remote working, whereas it should really be digital working, which I think is a much more creative. I think, the, I think social distancing is the wrong expression. It should be physical distancing. You know, and I think, you know, we've got to be careful because these language, that language carries an awful lot of weight. Um, mm. And I think that there's just some of the interesting things we're going to have to challenge now as we, as we you know, move into this new phase. Because I think, it's, it, it, I don't think we can talk about, you know, when we go back to the way things were. We're not going back. We're going on. To, the world is not going to be re rewound. It's going to be rewired. And the way we live, work, holiday, learn, um, study, you know, all that's up for grabs and up for quite dramatic change. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some of the things that you talked about are being been proven by the great resignation people saying i don't want to go back to, uh, mm -hmm. to the way the way i was living it was not was not a very nice uh, way of living and so right. you know it's what's what's interesting is what do companies do how do companies respond to this so so some com some companies some famous well-known companies are saying we want everybody back all of the time and some other famous companies are saying we don't want anybody back any of the time and before this COVID happened the great crisis was the attraction and retention of talent and that's been magnified by a huge multiplier. I mean, right now in Ireland, you cannot find chefs. You can't find all, all whole sorts of industries. You can't find anybody to do the work. No. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't think we're going back. We're going on to something different. And yeah. I hope that we can, we can approach it in a mature way that it actually is bit, bit better as well right. as different. Right. Because it does have the possibility of being worse before we move on. I want to backtrack just one second and just, uh, you know, agree with you about an interesting thing about how women and, and men work differently on my calendar today at about three 30, I have a meetup with a great colleague, friend of mine. She's actually a client of mine. Um, but I just reached out and said, look, can we, can we just touch base? I'm like, let's grab a glass of wine and just half an hour. I know you're busy. I'm busy, but let's just connect. It's like at the end of the year and, and wine I said, I'll just bring Do you want me? I'll bring someone else that interesting that I just met. And I had met another woman at this group that I'm in, that's called women in research. 
And I had just met this fascinating gal, um, another CEO at another company. And I was like, oh, it would be for actually, I know both of these people and we would all three get along real quick. And so we have a half an hour on the books. We're just grabbing a, a glass of wine. I mean, it's at the end of the workday and, you know, just yeah. having a, a small little chat. And some yeah. people would look at that and be like, that is weird. For what purpose? <laughs> like, what are you going to talk about? But I have completely changed my mindset. I don't know, but these two people would probably enjoy each other. And you know what? I also need that break. I need to not be the CEO in that moment. I mean, the three of us are all three CEOs, but we need to just be, you know, people. And it's not about like, oh, and now we are best friends. We're going to holiday together. It's not even, you know, people try and make it, you know, so much like read so much more into it. I don't know what would come of it. I will tell you this. If we connect on a personal level, I guarantee you we'll have each other's back and we'll think of each other in a way um, that is very important for your career. And I believe strongly that the networking that you do in this way, where you give first, it absolutely has tons of bearing on how people talk about you when you are not in the room. Yeah. yeah. And that is how your career gets pushed forward, you know, and these things that you can't, you can't really put a, you know, an exact, oh, I'm going to have this meeting and it's going to bring me, you know, $1 million later on. But I have had countless of these meetings that I could go back now, years later and go, you know, that meeting turned into about a million dollars, but I I didn't, I didn't do it for that, but it did. But Steve Jobs says, you know, you can't connect the dots going forward. You've got to connect the dots going backwards. There's a wonderful woman. I don't know if you've come across or watched any of her YouTube videos or TED Talks called Carla Harris. She's um, Morgan Stanley, 35 years in Wall Street, highest African-American woman in, in this finance industry. And, and, and she, she's got a, some fabulous ideas and thoughts. And one of them about her network, she said, in your network, you need three types of people. You need an advisor who will help you technically do your job. And that's kind of basic, important stuff. She sees a mentor, you need a mentor. A mentor is going to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. The mentor might be in your company, might be outside your company. But the key thing you need is you need a sponsor. A sponsor, a mentor talks to you. A sponsor talks about you. And why is that important? Well, she said, and this is a killer line of hers. She said, because all major decisions about you, your career, your compensation, uh, the next project, you, your promotion, etc., all those decisions will be taken by a group of people sitting around a table in a room, and you won't be in that room. And if 100%. nobody knows you, oh my gosh, you. If your yeah. name means nothing to anybody, mm-hmm. it pass on to the next name. So you need to have those sponsors. You need to have people who say, hey, I know that gal, Priscilla. She's dynamite. She won't drop the ball. I'd rely on her. But if nobody says anything, you're toast. Well, I, let's go back to this idea of where gender um, breaks down. I do think men have always been great at sponsorship. They mm-hmm. don't need to truly, you know, like they won't give a lot of details. They'll just say, you know what? you need, you need Bob for the job. Just get Bob in. Just trust me. And that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Whereas women, you know, they are not as they're great at mentorship. Um, but they have not, in my personal opinion, learned to really grasp the idea of sponsorship. And when we start sponsoring each other saying, look, I'm going to put my reputation on the line. You need, you need Priscilla. That's what you need. And let's do it. That's when things work. And I have to say, 
I thank God. I mean, I have such a wonderful network of sponsors, but this is the mindset shift to get people to understand that this is the point of networking. And it's not about just getting that advisor and I'm going to get all these really high, you know, people who can give me this advice. No, then you need that mentor and you need those sponsors. And then also, I think you need some people who, you know, if you looked at it transactionally, you would say they're nobodies, you know, but you don't know who they're going to connect you with. You don't know the power of that next connection. And you mentioned that I want to unpack a little of something you said, you know, that there are sometimes some weak connections that you might have learning to go back and look at those and bolster them is really important. And I'll use an example. Yesterday, they announced um, we've been sponsoring a 30 under 30 in the market research industry. And so this is acknowledging, you know, young leaders that we think are really going to, you know, help us shape this market research industry. So my company was happy to pony up and sponsor that. Um, And But the thing is, is that I also look at that with the lens of networking. You better believe when that list, when we've got the finalists and we've got the people who actually won the top 30, you better believe I already connected with every single one of them on LinkedIn, because guess what? Someone else did the work for me to call through a list and identify people who are very likely going to be making the future decisions in this industry. And why wouldn't I want to be in connection with them and start seeing their network as a piece of my network. And the last thing I'd say about that is that I love what you said um, when you were talking about, you know, making these, these connections. I have always said that you don't sell to your network, you sell through your network. And if we agree with what I, which I completely do with your premise of we are selling ourselves, we are the product. This is a personal brand that we're putting out there and we need to be visible, but we need to be visible to a much greater extent, what you called the exposure. We need so much visibility and that visibility only comes when we exponentially grow our networks by attaching ourselves to very deep networks. And I have to say, Kingsley, I'm so happy to be a part of your network because you are literally the smartest person I know about networking. And I want other people in your network to be curious and say, well, who's that Priscilla? (laughs) Well, no, yeah, and it all rubs off. I mean, I I have three basic premises around my network. What first is my notion that life is a game of inches. You know, the difference between coming first and second, success and failure is minuscule, it's marginal, and your network can be the difference maker. And we see it in sport every day, but you can see it in business. And I can give you a ton of examples from my career where coming second actually didn't get you very much. So I'm a big fan of the theory of marginal gains, you know, the aggregation of small differences over a period of time. Networking is not about any one big thing. It's about a lot of small things. It's like picking up grains of sand one at a time. You know, you think it's impossible, but actually in time, it kind of becomes bucketfuls. So that's the first premise. The second premise is that one introduction, one conversation, is going to change your life. You are just one connection away from a life-changing uh, an event. Uh, but they don't happen lying in bed or sitting at your desk. They happen when you're out and about, when you're in motion, when you put your talents on display, when you talk to strangers, you know, when you change your routines. You know, you've got to do all that kind of stuff. And then the, the third notion is I, I love the idea that nobody started a large company. You know, Steve Jobs was 21 with Steve Wozniak in a garage. You know, Hewlett and Packard were in a shed. You know, Amazon, Starbucks, they all started at nothing. You know, I, I started a foundation in the United States with some people, uh, a guy called Dan Rooney, who owned the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, a guy called Tony O'Reilly, who 
ran the Heinz Food Company, and we had an event, a great event, the great, the good, and the Irish diaspora, in, 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 and they all came to New York, and we had this great event, um, and the event was so unsuccessful, the only reason we had a second event a year later was to pay for the first event, and that's $700 million ago, you know? Oh, my goodness. $700 million. You know, nobody started a large organization. So here's, here's the analogy. I, I look at my networking as a bit like uh, building up air miles. You know, you, you build up your air miles, and every so often they come in really, really handy. But your network is a bit like an ATM machine. And if you keep making withdrawals, you know what happens? There's a sign comes up that says insufficient funds. So you need to wait to make deposits to make sure that you can make withdrawals. So I think that's a, an interesting little analogy. So I, I take the IKEA approach to networking. In other words, you got to construct it. you got to build it. you got to put time and love in it. And the more that, that, of that that you do in building your network, the more you have a sense of belonging and ownership of it. So these are really simple little notions, but they kind of resonate in the back of your head when you're doing this stuff. Because I, I think there's three questions you have to ask. Anytime you meet anybody, there's three really simple questions you should ask. And the first question is, what can I do for you? Not, not the other way around. Pretty simple. And the second question is, um, if Priscilla, if you were me, what would you do? And what you're doing there is you're paying respect and deference to somebody's experience and wisdom. And, and you're having to do the number one skill in networking, which is to listen. And you're getting it for free. So all that's fantastic. And my business free is a very compelling price point. So I think that's super. And then the third question, which is kind of the gold dust question in networking, which is who do you know who, you know, lives in Tallahassee, you know, works in aircraft leasing, lives in Berlin, whatever it is. But what you're really saying is here is, have you enough trust in our relationship that you are willing to make an introduction for me and an introduction is like having a passport at a border. So I always reduce the entire networking thing that I uh, do into one cheesy sentence. You're trying to replace cold calls with hot coffees. That's what this is about. Mm, oh my gosh, I love that. And you know, your IKEA analogy has an extra benefit because if you construct it, you're always going to be left with three extra screws and a few yeah, that's right. you're, <laughs> you're always going to have bits left over. And so you'll have something, there'll be abundance. <laughs> So true. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, Kingsley, this has been such a delight and um, I'd love to make sure that people reach out to you. You can find him of course on LinkedIn and it's Kingsley, K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y Akins, A-I-K-I-N-S. So please do connect with him. Obviously he wants to network with you. So <laughs> easy peasy. And also Kingsley, thank you so much for also contributing a blog uh, to our blog posting on little bird marketing. We really appreciate learning from you and really just being in this journey together as we really try and help people understand that it's not as difficult as they think it's going to be to network, but that you still have a lot of work to do. Like the onus is on you. And I think that's, it it doesn't have to be complicated, but there's still a lot of work um, to be done. So it it, just as we're leaving and just as a real thank you, you know, for you spending your time and imparting your wisdom, what would you like people to know about the Networking Institute and what you have to offer? Yeah, well, look, I mean, I'm just... I've been absolutely swamped over the last couple of years uh, and totally against what I thought because I I thought our business would close. Actually, the exact opposite happened because of technology and innovation, et cetera. 
But, you know, I'd like to see, we didn't really get it. I've got a real methodology around networking, how you audit your network and all that kind of stuff. So I think I've got, I've got a little bit of IP there that might be of interest to people. I give away a lot of stuff for free. If you go on my LinkedIn, you see lots of videos. I give it away for free. I've got 50 networking tips that I give away. Anybody contacts me, give it away for free. And then, you know, what I'm trying to do to build my business is I want to set up globally a network of coaches who will take on board the messaging and the methodology we have and pass it on to their people. And just uh, that would be the thing that excites me most. I've got people in a series of countries now working along those lines. I think Mm -hmm. it'd be fantastic if people took an interest in this. I love it. Well, go visit him at the networkinginstitute.com as well. There's videos, there's great resources, all kinds of free things. I absolutely loved the 50 tips for um, uh, networking. It's so in alignment with what we teach. And every time I read them, I was just like, yes, yes, this is what we're saying. So I'm telling you straight up, you will absolutely enjoy uh, those resources that it has. And also you'll get a good view of really just how, um, you know, how well thought through uh, the plans for networking are at the Networking Institute. I, I know that you'll love it. And to boot, I mean, just get to know Kingsley, because as you can see, number one, terrific accent. Number two, just, just a very approachable guy. And number three, just the wisdom. I, I, I think that I'm so appreciative Kingsley for the way you've been very, very uh, free with um, all of what you've learned over the years. And I, I just love being around people who live in that kind of abundance. You're giving it out freely and it's very attractive. And I think if you learn anything from this podcast today, it's that don't you want to be around more people like Kingsley, then you need to be that person and be giving and leading out with your resources and with your wisdom and what you have to share to make this a better world for all of us. We're not going to have to, we're not going to get to stop working. So let's work in a way that um, we want to um, uh, come and be able to be more humanized in the experience and elevate our own personal brand. Kingsley, thank you so much for joining us here on Ponderings from the Perch. Thank you. And listen, I'll leave you with one expression, which is I'm, I'm at that stage in my life, but I want to send the elevator back down. I had a lot of help from people on my way up and I can't help them for various reasons. They're gone or whatever, but I, I can pass it on. So I want to pass the elevator back down. And I do, I do warn you about the accident, et cetera. I remember when I, I li- luckily lived in Boston for 15 years and I worked throughout the U.S. I remember one American coming up to me. He says, you know what I learned listening to you? He said, never give a mick a mic. <laughs> <laughs> I was warned last time I was leaving England and heading to Dublin, someone definitely warned me and said, you know, you know, the Irish can talk the back legs off a donkey, right? (laughs) I love it. We had such a good time. Well, from all the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day. Happy networking and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.